Now let's listen to Stuart Albertson and Keith Davidson discuss the options and their recommended approach to this difficult problem. Okay, Keith, here we are once again with a bad trustee example. It seems like these ones come up a lot. And you have a trustee who uh, is refusing to evict a tenant that's not paying rent. Obviously, the beneficiary could be using this money. It comes in monthly, I'm assuming, monthly rent. Uh, You've got the trustee sitting on a $500,000 asset, the house. Maybe you keep that in there. Maybe you don't, but rent it out, sell it, do something with it. Um, You've got cash that's been invested uh, in an interesting manner because most of it's in a non-interest-bearing account. Uh, the other 20% went to this private placement with the with the trustee's good buddy. And you've got uh, the idea of risky assets from the decedent still floating around inside the trust. And then there's a loan to the wife that's interest-free for a while. Uh, I mean, you've got these five options here. Well, what are your thoughts? This is every mistake you can think of, every mistake that you can possibly make in trust investing. So it's it's everything gone wrong. And, and you liked options two, three, and four. I did. And um, I, I, in theory, I like those options too, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you a little bit. Uh, option two is file for trustee removal. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think you have got to get this trustee out. They're making all the wrong management decisions. And as long as they're in office, they have the right to make the management decisions and investment decisions. So f- first step is remove the trustee and attempt to suspend the trustee's power until you get removal. Um, That's not always the easiest thing to do, but it's probably worth a try here, especially because the loan to the wife. So he loans all this money to the wife, hasn't gotten a payment in a year. What's going on with that? We have got to get this guy suspended if we can. Um, You don't always get suspension, but it's worth going for. The next thing is um, going and asking the court to order the trustee to right the ship. So let's get the beneficiary evicted. Let's uh, sue the wife's business to get back the cash, all those things. I think that makes sense because you need to right the ship and and get it going again. Um, I think those are the two things that I would focus on first because that's going to hopefully fix the the immediate problem that we have right now. As far as suing the trustee for damages, I'm not against that per se, but my question is, are you going to get anything from that? So first of all, you know, how big of a case is that are we talking about? What, what are we getting into here, number one? And number two, does the trustee have any assets to even collect from? So what, what do you do, and I'll ask you the question, what do you do if you're going after a trustee who doesn't have anything? Well, if they don't have anything, they're more than likely going to be judgment-proof. And if they're judgment-proof, you can get a judgment against them at great cost but it'll be a piece of paper that you can hang on the wall and say that you won. So you do have to take that into consideration. Uh, I'm going to change your hypothetical just a little bit, though. And let's say the trustee is also a beneficiary of the trust, an equal beneficiary, say a 50% beneficiary, and you're the other 50% beneficiary. Well, in that case, there are assets to go after. And so that's a little bit easier of a hypothetical. But if we stick strictly to the hypothetical that you pose and add to that, this is an insolvent trustee, you're going to have some problems with going for damages against the trustee personally. So that is a little practical concern. So I think you have to consider that practicality. And yeah, if they're a beneficiary, hey, great, you can at least go after their share of the trust. But if they're not, I think you have to ask, do they have assets? The other question I would have in terms of going against the trustee is how big of a lawsuit is that going to be? I mean, is that going to be easy to do in, in addition to the removal 
and the other petition for instructions, or is that a harder thing to do than the other two things? What do you think? Well, I think it's much harder, and I'm assuming that you disagreed with me because I said two, three, and four. If we just look at two and three, and I'm assuming two, which was to um, move for trustee removal, you would do that on some type of an expedited basis. Is that right? I would try to, yeah. And that makes sense. So if we were to file what we call an ex parte petition, uh, which brings this to the judge immediately, and the judge can look, and hopefully the judge says, yeah, I think I'm going to suspend this trustee, put in a neutral trustee who can then start doing the eviction and selling the property and getting rid of the bad stocks, getting the private placement back, hopefully. That's all good uh, and necessary. So I agree with you that option four, the idea of going for damages against the trustee, uh, that may be problematic. On the other hand, you might want it as leverage. And so let's say that the trustee is somebody that lives in San Diego, Santa Barbara, San Francisco, high net worth neighborhoods. If they have a home, and I'm not into taking homes from people, but if they do have a home and you're now coming after them personally, you might get a settlement more quickly under two and three if you're coming, if you're charging after them as well. That's a good point. I mean, if you're trying to sue them individually for damages, they might be willing to step down as trustee, which makes your trustee removal a whole lot easier than it otherwise would be. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you can't overlook the leverage factor right. of that. Right. Why, why, what, why uh, the do nothing? You know, I, I think that we don't uh, consider that option en enough. Here, obviously, I don't think that's the correct option. Can you think of an option where you would change the hypothetical up just a little bit where you might choose to do nothing for the time being? Well, I think that if you were to take out some of the bad acts here, so what if rather than this list of bad things that the trustee has done, the only bad thing that they've done is not evict the tenant? So let's say everything else is fine. The, the, you know, the loan to the wife didn't happen. The money's in an interest-bearing account. Um, there, it's conservatively invested otherwise, and there's just a problem with the tenant. Would you go through all this trouble over evicting a tenant from a real property if the trustee refuses to do that. I'm not so sure. Okay. And last question would be uh, the Uniform Prudent Investor Act. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? How hard is it to comply with? Uh, how do you use it in a case like this? Well, the Uniform Prudent Investor Act really is just a legalization of modern portfolio theory. So the law says that modern portfolio theory, which is what most financial planners use, uh, when giving out investment advice to individuals, that's what trustees can use, which means you have to have a balanced portfolio and you have to have diversity. And the underlying notion of it is that you have something that's going to give you growth or income, but it's also going to give you safety. So you're not going to lose it all. And so that's really what we want from trustees overall is just to be safe, be smart. You know, look at this the way a prudent investor would and just do the right thing. And how hard is that to comply with for most trustees? Well, it shouldn't be hard at all. Uh, for individual trustees, it's very difficult. And the reason it's very difficult is because there's a lot of factors you have to factor into that. And if you don't know about investing at all, which a lot of individuals don't when they become trustee, you're going to be completely lost. And that's why the trust law and most trust documents allow a trustee to hire professionals. And, and you certainly should. As a trustee, you should be hiring a professional Number one, to get the good advice, and number two, to help protect your own liability if ever somebody questions your advice. But there's a lot of factors you have to keep track of, and that's really why you need to write it down. And what's the best way to write it down? An investor policy statement. And so, I mean, how many, how many trustees that you've seen or that we've had to have lawsuits with have a written investor policy statement? Zero, none. And the investor policy statement would be uh, the investment 
plan and strategy for the trustee going forward with uh, hopefully a financial planner. And it would have in there the time horizon. So in this case, it was uh, seven years left on the trust. So how are we going to invest these assets over the next seven years? What asset classes are we going to put them in? Are they all going to be in international stocks? Are they all going to be in private placements? Uh, or are we going to diversify those across the spectrum of asset classes? And if you have that in writing and you make a mistake after you have that in writing and you end up losing a bunch of money, are you willing to go against a trustee who has a good, solid investor policy statement and then they lose money? It'd be very difficult because they'd, they'd have a written plan. And that's what the law wants is they want a procedure. They want a plan in place. Well, if all of that is written down year over year and you can document the fact that that trustee actually looked at the investor policy statement, implemented it, and made changes based on the investment investor policy statement... Trying to sue them for investment losses would be very difficult. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that if a trustee has a process in place before they make investments, even if it's just kind of a um, haphazard policy statement, if they have something in writing saying how they've planned to invest, it's going to be much harder to hold that trustee accountable. Yeah, for sure. And and you know if you look at the code, it actually tells you the things that you have to consider. Well, if you just wrote those down and you showed that you considered them. I mean, how do you hold somebody liable? I mean, the, the law is not making trustees a guarantor of investments. It's not like the trustee has to guarantee that there will be no losses. The law just wants the trustee to do the, the process in the right way. And when you have it written down, man, that'd be a tough case. Would you even take a case that that has an investment policy statement? Uh, I probably wouldn't uh, because it's. Uh, I would have to advise the client there's not a very good chance of winning on that particular point. Now, if there were other issues still going on, loans to wives, uh, at no interest and so forth, that's something that we might want to look into and go after. But uh, yeah, this was a, a good example. We don't see uh, this case every day, but we see pieces of this case every day. Mm -hmm. You rarely see it all put together like this, but every once in a while you do come across a case like this. And uh, I still think that you agree with me that we have to do two, three, and four. I think we agreed, disagreed on the timing of how we do that. And, and now that I've had time to reflect on it, uh, for once in your life, you're right. Uh, <laughs> I think you're right that you've got to get in there with an emergency filing, hopefully get the trust on an emergency basis to yeah. at least suspend this person. And then uh, we can uh, clean up the mess later on down the road. Yeah. And I think our only disagreement as number four was just the practicalities. So practically speaking, how does this actually look when you're trying to implement it? And so some cases, number four is going to be very good. Mm -hmm. You have a rich trustee and you're going to go for them. Uh, other cases, it's, it's not even worth doing. So you have to just look at the practical side as well. Mm -hmm.